This show is brought to you by Made by Super. Hiring a design studio is more necessary than you think. Your brand is important, and how it's represented shouldn't be phoned in. Whether it's your logo, website, messaging, online ads, environment, graphic design, or social media, you need professionals, thinkers, advocates for your brand, people that will make you look good. It will make a difference. Trust me. Go to madebysuper.com and hire great designers to get to work for you on your brand. Also brought to you by Age Old Trade Design, LA's premier hospitality design firm. Welcome to Acting Real with Kat Foster, where I talk with talented, seasoned, professional actors about how they use what they've learned from acting in their real everyday lives. If you have been listening to the show and you like it and you're moved by it and it's helped you and it resonates with you, subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a good review. It means so, so much. And more importantly, it helps other humans find the show. Thanks. You guys, uh, today we are talking to my very good old friend, Mark Feuerstein. This episode is so interesting because it's super challenging. Um, it, it's, uh, we talk all about the myth of status and importance, um, which sometimes does not seem like a myth at all. Uh, I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. I want to hear all your thoughts about this episode. Uh, in case you don't know him, which you definitely do, but in case you don't, Mark Feuerstein is an actor and a writer and a director and a producer. He's been on a mazillion things. Highlights include Good Morning Miami, Nurse Jackie, Prison Break, Wet Hot American Summer. Um, and of course, he starred in 1,200 seasons of the USA show Royal Pains. Uh, he also produced that show and directed some of those episodes. And most recently, he starred in 9JKL, which he also uh, co-created, co-wrote, and produced uh, with his wife, Dana Klein. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. It is a skeleton, and you have to discover where the bones go. What I need for my life, I am drawn to create the play. And you must use the play. You must use it. Here we go. Here Hi, we Mark. Go. Hi, Kat. Okay, but wait, we were mid-story. What were we talking about? Well, the two memories that have just emerged right. in our conversation oh, right. were one that you were proposed to while we were shooting Royal Pains together, yes. which for listeners, you yes. played a very significant love interest for my character who to this day could have gone yeah. like could have been the one for Hank well that's why it really like it's was... kind of I don't really understand why he, you weren't well I'll tell you why Andrew Lenchewski said we weren't Andrew okay Lenchewski, why is that the producers of Royal Pain yes he blamed it because at the time it happened that I got another show ah so it was completely well, other I, I got... outside reasons not yeah. character no, or no. story related they say that I was just like I was too busy at the time and they didn't want to worry about like me becoming a regular part of that show right. and like have to like not get me when they want me that is a constant concern when you're doing a TV show when yeah. you're i mean i i was lucky enough to be a, you know, main guy on that show for eight years. What, for eight uh, seasons, seven years of shooting, mm -hmm. we did uh, a, a split ski on the last season where we right. split it into two. Right. Uh, Sixteen episodes, eight for season seven and 
eight for season eight. Right, 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 right. This uh, is Royal Pains. Have we said that? This is Royal Pains. It's, yes. It's, it's to this day, maybe USA's most successful. Well, let's not know. go that far. But <laughs> it we, was a very we did well. significant show on the USA Network. Yes. Yes. Um, and you were so phenomenal on it. But yeah, if you have other things going on, Michael Rausch and Andrew Lancheski, the executive yeah. producers, have to be concerned we won't get you when we need you. Yeah. And you could have easily become. And every I episode, know, which is regular. like what I wanted, because we had like a really good thing going. Like we worked really well together. Yes. Because you and I are both somewhat like perfectionistic when it comes to line, like memorization. Yeah. For I really was. Well, and also you, you had really to be were. for that show because you had all this like medical jargon and yeah. stuff that was like pretty. Compl- I mean, it had to be fast. It was like speedy, but also there were jokes. It was a funny show, so like and jokes you have to kind of know sometimes like the words. But I mean, energetically, which I know is something you I'm love. Into. Uh, yeah. You love a word like energetically. I love a word like energy. <laughs> which I didn't even really appreciate about you when we worked together, but yeah. I've come to uh, understand that more over time. Yeah. But uh, we just had a great chemistry, and I just enjoyed you so much. Oh, Sam, it was so good. But yeah, so other outside of the the show. You got proposed to while we were in Long Island somewhere. I did. Well, I got proposed to the night before this day that we were shooting earlier. Yeah, I mean, I even remember you like maybe even having a piece of paper that Scott had written vows. Yes, Scott. Some kind of protestation of love. My ex-fiance, Scott, uh, had written, yeah, he'd written a really long um, love. Yeah, like a speech. Like he he delivered the speech to me. And you guys were such a... Cute thing, yeah, we were totally and so that was thing. that moment in time. That and by the way, my wife time. was married before she married me. I remember that. Um, she told oh. me the story of, or no, you told me the story of your guys's engagement. Your wife Dana Klein, who's an awesome, amazing writer, yep, um, producer and showrunner, and we created a show together recently, which we can get to. Yeah, but just to stay on you for a second, the other thing um, I was remembering was being you we were remembering being with your mother in a house in Long Island totally. which is where we spent much of our time on Royal Pains and yeah. you and me together some enormous beautiful house yeah. and locked up there while waiting for lights and camera to get to action yeah and we hung out with your mom and I got to sing your praises to her and she was, was so just sweet. a sprightly lovely <laughs> woman who's now a grandmother who's and so grandmother. so happy and yeah. proud I'm sure yeah she was very happy and proud and she my mother uh I have not yet done a, a an impression of my mother yet on this podcast but she talks like Carol Channing <laughs> yes so she was so excited that Mark was coming over today and she said please give Mark my love oh my god this has to be a character <laughs> on this podcast like she should have her own five minutes every episode she should shouldn't she i'll tell her you gotta get get her in more she's that's good stuff (laughs) um mark how did you when did you decide to become an actor by the way i i'm gonna say this right now this is my first time on this show just because like i forgot and i and i but i feel kind of naked but also like i'm just gonna go with that in the in the in the um, spirit of the show, that I don't, I usually have my notes sitting here and like a pen. To oh, like please don't have notes. notes. No, but please I let us. No, just but go. I usually don't use them. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of a crutch, but I still like having them. And I'm right. just realizing that I don't even have these notes that I like. Anyway, so well, can we're, I just we're can I just take turn that into something because yeah. <laughs> you that is a moment for you. Yeah, it is a moment that we who perform in any way. Or even just a buddies who give 
toasts at their friends' weddings yeah. all can relate to about public speaking and mm-hmm. not... And I relate to your. You mentioned perfectionistic about learning lines. Yeah. But the notion of flying without a net, improv. Yeah. Uh, not knowing your lines that well and still having to show up composed, which I don't ever really do because yeah. I like to know my lines. Yeah. It's my lifeline. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I don't think you can act as well if you're trying to remember your words. Most of the actors on this show say that too. And yes. if, if you don't know them, you may look at it as a young performer like, I'm throwing caution to the wind. I don't give a shit. Or I'm like, just... I'm going to be natural. I'm going to yes. look really human. Because right. like, no one really knows what they're going to say next. But if there was a script, you can bet there's a writer who's hoping you know every single word they wrote. For one thing. Down yeah. to the you know and the comma mm-hmm. that they wrote. Mm-hmm. And the uh. And the hyphen, which indicated an interruption. Right. All of it. And they... you know that now, especially because you're writing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am right. And now that you're saying words. I was literally in my car yeah. on the road to this place, stopped about a minute before landing on this crazy serpentine route <laughs> that leads to your house. Yeah. Writing in my car with my partner on the oh phone. God. Where I'm, I have my little device that gives you guys me internet. Are on a deadline. Thank you so, so much for coming to No, do no, this. please. We're just reworking uh, the first section of a one-hour drama that we're writing for YouTube about the pro wrestling industry in the 90s. Um, So we'll see where it goes. It's got a huge built-in audience, but it's not necessarily going to go. No, sorry. This is... Oh, right. So this is a pilot for... It's a pilot for YouTube YouTube Red. That we pitched... um, they were YouTube Red. Now there's now something else. Okay, there okay. is a service called YouTube Premium, but that has to do with okay. the YouTube everybody uses for videos, yeah, not yeah. their original content. Got so it. I don't know what they are, except that they are very have a lot of money from Google, okay. and they're very well exposed from being YouTube. Are you going to be in this series? Yes, I would be. I would be a wrestling promoter Whoa. going against another guy. It's sort of like a billions-like one-hour drama Set in the Great. rest in the world of pro wrestling. Ooh, I just got I just got a little chills in my right leg. Well, if you refer to a successful show, maybe <laughs> they, they believe you could be one too. Yeah, you will. Even I though mean, that's the thought when you mention a prototype. Yeah, of course. But of course, you haven't proven yourself to be remotely in that world yet, I which is why you, I'm in a car writing. I believe in you. Thank you, Kat. I think your show is going to be just as successful, if not more, than Billions. Thank you very much. And by the way, the creator of Billions. Brian Copelman, right? I yes, think right. correct. He, he, I, he too has a podcast. Oh, yeah. Called uh, In the Moment. Oh, is that what it's called? I think it's called In the Moment. And Hanami, our producer, is going to look it up right now because she's, she's a badass. I no, think he's it, a very successful, smart... Uh, I haven't listened to his podcast, but I, he um, feigned uh, in, inviting me to be on it. Then when sure. the time came that I was in New York to notify him, <laughs> he that did. completely went by the wayside. He was covering the Masters. Well, fuck him, dude. Golf, now you're on this podcast. It was meant, and now you have your own billions. That's right. On YouTube. That's right. Don't need that shit. <laughs> oh, God. I'm such a dork. Okay. Hey, how did you start acting? Let's go back. Okay. Um, no. Yeah, that's not easy. That is the question. Tell because me there about- is a, a percentage of your listenership who are young aspiring actors or That's old right. aspiring we, actors. Thank you for mentioning that. We'd like this show to appeal to everyone, actors and non-actors. Right. Um, and but there is a slight 
I, there are going to be actors, but also the I'm asking that not because I want to geek out about acting, but which I always love to do. But um, I'm asking because, and I mean I have no problem just giving this away in the in the um, in the spirit of like brevity and translucence, um, transparency, translucent, transparency, transparency. Translucent would have something to do with light, your light lips shining through me. But you know what? I'll take that too. <laughs> since you're talking about By energy, the way, you are. See, this is mom you are brain. translucent. Your light shines beyond oh, your yeah. material. Um, so the reason I'm asking, and the reason why I always ask, like how people started acting, is because what interests me is how it what is different in terms of like why you're acting from when you started to now like what's the difference like what has your purpose and in this business changed has your purpose in acting as an actor as a creator changed that's really the juice of this question so I ask when did you start acting because I'm curious like the why of when you started acting and then I'm curious about how that why has changed over the many years that you've been doing this. That's an enormous <laughs> and beautiful question. Yeah. I hope I can do it justice. I think you will. But wow. Great, great, beautifully phrased. I believe in you. Uh, thank you. I love it. Keep saying that. that like we, we actors I know. We have a that. certain need for validation. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've covered that. At well, some point I was in just here. thinking actually because Radner, Josh Radner, was on this show, um, and he loves you, and he was like, "You got to get Feuerstein on." And oh. I was like, "I know he's already on the list. I'm going to do it." But he he talked in his episode about out. Sometimes you have to outsource mm. belief in yourself, mm. and you know sometimes it. Sometimes we need other people to say, "I believe in you," because maybe that day or that moment, our belief in ourselves isn't strong enough. So we have actually covered that in various ways on this show. That's a really cool term. And there are many times where you have to, I certainly have done that with my manager, who I mm. love like a brother. His name is Stephen Levy. And, you know, the that person for me, I'm sure their representatives are different for each person, but is truly a significant person in my life. And... I may never win an award and I may never get to do the quick thank you to Stephen Levy for always being there for me or whatever that one sentence he gets in my award speech that I may or may not ever get to give is, but it's so much more than that. And I'm sure that's true for every actor who thanks a representative. I mean, I love that. you love your parents. They gave you your life. You yeah. love your family. They support you unconditionally. Yeah. And yeah, it's a complicated dynamic because that guy makes 10% of whatever I make. Yeah. And so there's a financial element. But like, talk about outsourcing. Like he has believed in me mm. so many times when I didn't believe in myself. Mm. He has had um, status and attitude for me when I never, he has you know, we have turned things down. Like to ever turn things down means you think something of yourself. Yeah. Recently, I turned a job down. It was a, a recurring thing on the show, God Friended Me. Mm -hmm. And I've always watched that trailer and been like, maybe there's a beautiful spiritual element to this show that I don't know, but the notion isn't like jumping out at me as something I love. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, four episodes guaranteed in New York leaving my three children to go do it. 
And I feel very privileged to be able to turn down any job, but right. I did do that one and it was coming from a place of strength and I wouldn't necessarily have that strength if I had a manager going, hey, it's nice work if you can get it. Yeah, of course. But I have a manager who's like, I don't think that's what we are choosing to do right now. Yeah. And I myself was able, because of him and in that connection to say that because I have no idea what the landscape is like I don't often know what I'm worth yeah it's like that notion of the perception out there yeah. is such a figment of our imagination well the question really is is it a figment of everyone's imagination anyway I don't know do you, I mean do you live with a sense of like how you're perceived and what your value is in the marketplace not. absolutely not but I will tell you that I don't know that there is I mean, look, there. Look, we can say that there are objective measures for that stuff, right? Like sure. Based on how much you're making or how many offers you're getting. 100%. Or how, what your star meter is. Or but like if whatever. we just went on that, I'd kill myself tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Because well, it's never enough. Or, or we could go on that because whatever, you could say that those are, that's like some empirical data in the world. And then also realize that that has no bearing on anything important to you. Which is, that's a leap, right? Because you have three kids and, you know what I mean? Like, like maybe it doesn't fucking matter at all what your star meter is or how much you're worth or how many offers you're getting. You mean in the in the most essential value yeah, of like, what makes life worth living? Yes. Like, like maybe your belief in yourself, your, your sense of contentment and well-being um, and sense of connection and sense of optimism have nothing at all to do at all with any of this empirical data that's out there about what your status is in the world of acting. <laughs> you're looking at me like I can't tell where you're... Tell me what you think about that. I mean, do you well, feel like that? I mean, look, this is an my, ideal I'm thing, come right? In, I love where you're coming from yeah, yeah. and you're coming from uh, a beautiful planet Planet called Cat. Xenon, <laughs> and I am a little more like with like covered in earth, uh -huh. saying to you, we are always working to make what's in our soul the most important thing. We are, yes. I believe, we all would agree that it would be great if our best version of ourselves in our heads and hearts were the thing that our brain was always going off of. It, when it tries to assess and value. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, my brain happens to spiral out constantly on what is my value in the marketplace today based on that last conversation I had, based on that last offer I got. I mean, there are times where you get an offer, like I have my, um, well, I don't want to talk about him out of school, but a good friend and colleague who I've worked very closely with. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, basically almost fired his manager and his team because of an offer he got. Like, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Like yeah, they yeah. brought him an offer of, or to do something that he felt was beneath him for a character who was older than him. And he was like, what do these people think of me that, you know, and, and you could right. just go, isn't it wonderful that someone wants me to do something? Right. I'm not going to do it because I know I'm meant for something else Yeah. with no judgment. Right. But well, okay, but here's my question is why do we prize or why do you prize, if I may be so bold, what your brain has to say over how you're feeling? 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like maybe like, yes, of all of our brains spiral out all the time. I don't. I cat. I every day am, I meditate for 20 minutes Same. and I try using my mantra to cut through the the bullshit of, yes. of the mind. Right. Stay right here right now, which I couldn't be more connected to you as we're talking. Yes. So grateful just to be in the moment. Same. I love Not it so much. Not in that place. Totally. So, but, okay. So, but right here in this moment, does your status fucking matter? No. Right. No. But like, can't we string together a lifetime of moments where our statuses don't matter? I hope so. I hope and pray that that is possible. Yes. But there are so many moments where it comes Here's into the play. Here's the deal. We are in a business and, and look, everyone in the world, not everyone, there are a lot of businesses where you can say this, right? We, but our business, let's say the world of like, I don't know, Wall Street or, you know, a lot. there are a lot of businesses where everyone's always looking at like who's better or who's worse and who's what this business or this person is a success and that business or that person's a failure and that business and that person make so much money and that other business and that person are, don't make enough money or they did and now they lost it. It's like this whole fucking game of who's on top, who's on bottom. Yes. Right? So there is now we can all because it's so easy because we're trained in this way to look at the world with through that with that mindset from that mindset. We can always see like someone who's above us or below us. It's so easy. Yep. I propose. I hope I I dream of a world <laughs> and and I don't and, you know, I think um, I dream of a world where we can actually like look at the world in not this sort of hierarchical one up, one down success failure uh, in this dualistic nature. I'm sorry, when you say we, are you speaking we, about the world? I, I or guess about the, the royal we. The, the royal world? we, but also like I, I believe that that kind of thinking causes a lot of suffering. And so personal suffering, um, global suffering, inter and intrapersonal suffering completely like I think that this way of thinking where there's successes and failures is really detrimental to us and I think that we don't need to think that way because it's all a fucking construct we invented can give, it can I give you the, the example that's burning in my brain to give please, you please. which unfortunately is going to be a woe is me I feel rejected by a moment and I don't feel it that strongly even as I'm telling it to you but it's like a good question just kind of an example to say so what do you do with that mm -hmm. um i uh have in my head an idea for my version of louis or better things love it and i love and that was what 9jkl the show i created with my wife yes for cbs which became a network sitcom was sort of meant to be uh-huh but in figuring out that we had an angle, right? right? You get an angle that is appeals to network brass executives who need a construct to understand what the idea is. Mm -hmm. We had this thing from this moment in my life when I lived in an apartment between my parents while shooting Royal Pains, yeah. between my parents on one side and my brother and his wife and their baby on the other. And I was the monkey in the middle and it was a little Everybody Loves Raymond, but in New York City. <laughs> and it's a clear idea so with great. lots of stories that I have from my life to support it yes. and characters who are full because they're my parents and my brother. Yeah. And I offered all that up in the interest of uh, 
A, being authentic, telling some fun stories, and B, to be successful. And uh, in that particular instance, somewhere along the way, it got a little bit away from maybe my personal authentic the version. The Better Things version. And that was when it became a network sitcom. Right. Now, I'd still love to do that show about my daily life in some version, like the way Pam Adlon does. And I was lucky enough to do Better Things this past season oh, and do one episode where I played myself. And I just saw what an incredible opportunity that has become for her. And I would dream of it for myself. Yeah. So I don't know how to make that happen, but... I reached out on uh, my buddy, Michael Showalter, who was on 9JKL, who I had done Wet Hot American Summer with, and who I had sent something to his production person, Jordana, about I'd love to do my better things. And she said, great, we'll meet with Michael. And then Michael got busy with a movie in New Orleans. And as a result of that, had to cancel our meeting and is now gone for like three months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wrote out, Dana mentioned Paul Feig, who was in the pilot of 9JKL and is such a brilliant producer who produced the Joel McHale show. Um, recently and does many things like this with an actor, wrote him, haven't heard back. Maybe he's just busy, fine. Yeah. Um, Joel McHale, Dana, my wife, had an idea about two guys who were very different, like Joel, who's never pleasing anybody, and me, who's only ever pleasing everybody. Yeah, uh, I love it. Like an odd couple. Yeah. Wrote an email to me and Joel, because Joel's a dad at our school. Joel made very funny jokes, all suggesting... Uh, not right now. Got a lot of bigger fish to fry. Yeah. And, you know, I they, none of them sent me for a big loop. Mm-hmm. But they're all like slight little like you're not that you're, you're not prime of primary importance right now uh-huh. for us over here in the land of people you might want to connect with who are slightly uh, or or significantly above you. Uh-huh. Um, you're gesturing right now, like above you. Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's hard not to go, oh, that's a bummer. Okay, so how do you... Okay, this is so Because I believe, yeah. I believe in myself, and I thank you for your belief in me. Mm-hmm. But if those pieces don't necessarily come together where somebody else who's a little further ahead at this particular moment doesn't respond, then, you know, those are little shots. And little, little you say, empirical data, little moments of data that say... Maybe this ain't the, you know, I have another thing. I'm pitching a podcast about a time when I lost a lot of money to a good friend who was a con artist. Mm-hmm. And like, it, I have just not gotten traction with it. It's hard to just keep believing when at a but certain Mark, point the marketplace which, won't bear that out. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, why can, could you, okay. Why there will always be. Even when you're Joel, Joel McHale, Paul Feig, when you're fucking George Clooney, there will always be someone who doesn't return your email. Right. Always. And that's always going to be something you cannot be feel rejected about. It can be something that's it's just... It's not that you don't feel rejected. I mean, the, there's this is like the... I love that we're talking about this. Like, I just... I'm so into you. I love that we're having this conversation because this really does get to just the heart of what so many of us deal with, right? Um, there's so many think, ways to approach this conversation. One of the ways I want to do it, and the, I think this is really valuable. One of the ways I want to do it is talk about what you do do, actually, with that. You called it rejection, but I would say maybe a sense of disappointment. Rejection, but like disappointment, maybe the feeling or like hurt. 
I mean, yes. And I, and I have an answer to jump ahead before you've had your chance to say your version, but I just want to say it because it's in my no, head. No, I need to hear you. Is I do have a sense that there is a, I used to love that word teleology, which yeah. is like the study of Truth, things becoming uh, their inevitable meant mm. to be form. Great. There is a teleology to this that is, Love it's it. meant to be, it's inherent. Yeah. And I do believe there is something right, about Aristotle, that. Aristotle. I don't right? even know. Yeah, that's, Aristotle. That's, that's, so when you talk about teleology, you're talking about like the yeah, absolute truth. is a Greek word that yeah, means yeah. something. Yeah, okay. okay. I don't know well, what, but we'll it means it something. The, we'll put it in Can the Can we find out what telos means? Yeah. That would be good. Well, that would be fun. It. In Greek, if it's a Greek word. Okay. Um, anyway... I do believe everything's meant to be for a reason. Mm -hmm. I, I do have faith in that way. Mm -hmm. And you talked about purpose earlier mm -hmm. and how the, the original question was like, how has that changed? And I was going to give you a whole answer about yeah. my, you know, my psychology as a second child with a father who was very, who's an amazing dad, amazing mom. I l truly, I'm not saying that just to then like complain about my parents. <laughs> They are, I am so lucky. Yeah. My father was um, composed in such a way that he was very focused on my older brother and his being the proper representation of the family and what we could uh -huh. accomplish. And things came maybe a hair harder to my brother than to me. Maybe that was because I was given a little more freedom to mm -hmm. do stuff on my own. And my brother was like, my father was on my brother. Mm -hmm. Um, but as a result, like criticism became a form of love mm. and I wasn't getting it in. And so I, like so many people, Edswick wrote a editorial in the New York Times about how we performers in this business all have a void that we need to be filled by the anonymous masses in the dark of a theater mm -hmm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, you feel like that. You really, you identify with that. I totally identify yeah. with that. I identify. I yeah. do too, by the way, but I spend... You know, I've been in therapy like twice a week since I was fucking 15. Yes. And like, this is my, like, I don't want to feel like this for the rest of my life. I don't want to prize my position on the high, in the hierarchy as I don't want to let that in any way affect my sense of well-being in this world. And I don't think it needs to. I really don't. And now look. You can even go so far as to argue that like your position in the hierarchy, of course it does because it affects like how much money you make and how much money you make affects your sense of well-being. And like you can, you know what I mean? Like you can like get really like micro about this whole conversation and like try and prove it out. But I have a real solid sense that, that, that the, that, that this hierarchy is our own making and that we can be in it and affected by it and believe in it or we can be out of it and not believe in it and see it for the narrative and the myth that it is and feel live a much happier life 100 percent and that so is, this that is, is the goal that is the goal and I, and, and I would and it would never pretend to you that i thought living according to our status in the world is going to bring you joy but so how do we both how do we at once um see see live operate in this world where status is a thing and and feel good knowing in the world of status where there is always someone more important than you who's not returning your emails right how can we how can we still feel uh wor worthy 
You know, I've done so much of the reading that I think you've done. I love all of the books. Tell me about the books you I have. love Thich Nhat Hanh. Love Thich Nhat Hanh. I love John Kabat-Zinn. Yes. Those are my two major captains. Okay. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh from the Buddhist side of things and John Kabat-Zinn from the purely mindfulness uh, framework. Mm -hmm. His book, Full Catastrophe Living. His book, Wherever You Go, There You Are, mm -hmm. which is just the best phrase ever because mm -hmm. we're always bringing whatever shit we have with us. And if we think that next job and that next manager and that next wife are going to bring it to us, well, no. Right. Wherever you go, there you are. Right. Um, and so, and there's many other books, but... Do we have Telos, by the way? Shout it out, Hanami. Teleology, the finality, is a reason or explanation for something and function. A reason or explanation for something and function? The, the function of its end purpose or goal. The, the, function, the function of, of its, its end, end purpose. purpose. Yeah, that, even that phrase, I don't even know what to do with that. It's derived from two Greek words, telos and logos. The purpose of it is imposed and by human use, such as that of a fork is called intrinsic. That of a... All right, we'll talk about that That one. reminds me of the 2,000-year-old <laughs> man. Are you familiar that. with that with Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks? <laughs> no. He goes, you were great. alive for, for 2,000 years. <laughs> what, how did we get words? Anamata <laughs> What? Words that sound like what they are. Okay, that's not how all words came in. No. Okay, give me an example. Uh, all right. Egg. Look at a chicken. Look at a chicken when it's when it's laying an egg very closely, and then you see it goes. Egg. All right, I think I think I'm going to trip you up here. How about the word shower? Listen to a shower. You know, it goes shh. Okay, but how do you get? When they add the hot water. You go out. Shower, shower. That word, Panamanapoeca. That's how we get words. Oh, this is good. This is really. It's good. all Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner, who apparently would perform that for people in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, right here. That's so uh, good. Friends, probably drunk or something else. Hilarious. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to. So you're now we're talking about John Cabot Zinn and um. Well, and yeah. Thich okay, so everybody has their own. I mean, we all have a sense of how we would be more healthy, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we all. I, I'm a guy like in drama school. I played a character named Platonov, who mm -hmm. had this Chekhov put in him such a as like so much of his writing such a truth about certain human behaviors one of which is he keeps saying it's going to be a new life mm. a new life mm. right mm -hmm. when he meets one girl and then meets another girl mm. a new life and everything mm. is an is a is a trans is a conversion and a transformation mm -hmm. and i'm a little like that like i read a new book and i have a new i remember josh radner and i used to go to this guru in the valley named yeah. candace silvers uh -huh. who's part insane and then part has some brilliant phrases that i still have with me from her cult like what like what what you see you be love it okay have you ever heard that before no but it's fucking great what I mean, you see it's yeah. wherever you go there you are in a different way well it's also like what you see is what you project right. is your reality. Right. You're so reacting to this person's selfishness and the conspiracy they've organized against you in the world. Well, that's because that's what you see. You see yourself as possibly 
conspiring against the world. By the way, to my point, if we don't see the hierarchy, then we don't be the hierarchy. Right. That's right. And that's something to work on. Yeah. Okay. So for okay. me, for sure. So and this is so this is the work that you do in reading these books, but doing I mean, your meditation. But, yes, the work we do. I gratitude. Right. That's a tool we can use whenever we want. And I did it in the middle of our discussion when I just said I'm so grateful to be here right now, talking to you. Yeah. And if we can do that more often we're going to be better off and 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 so that helps us gratitude is one tool that helps us um mitigate some of the rejection disappointment frustration yes. we might feel when we're in this like status mindset when john kabat-zinn in full catastrophe living which he developed mindfulness uh mbsr mindfulness-based stress reduction uh, center, which he founded in uh, Boston General or whatever, Massachusetts, whatever the name know, of that we'll hospital is. Yeah. Uh, and it's spread around the country and there are many of them all over the place. Uh, he had one phrase when people who had many different, you know, cancer and other uh, whatever terrible conditions. Uh, this is doctor, TV yeah. doctor, eight years. <laughs> that was my description of all the ailments. Uh, um he says something like, there is so much more that is right with me than that is wrong with me at this moment. Getting a patient to realize that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's the goal, mm -hmm. I think, with all of this status bullshit as well. Mm -hmm. There is, I have so much more, and, and I try, you know, like at a certain point in life, you respond to the friends who call you back. Right. And you work with the people who want to work with you mm -hmm. and you don't, you can't spend your whole career and your whole life just chasing mm -hmm. because, but, it, but, it, but there's also an element to chasing. I mean, mm -hmm. my wife, I dated women for eight years who thought I was something special. And then I married the one who didn't. <laughs> and I would spend my life chasing her as she reminds me sure. that I'm not. Yeah. In, and yet I, she loves me and I know how special sure. she thinks I am. Yeah. Deep, deep down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I think there's something to like how much we're going to chase and how much we're going to embrace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In our lives. Yeah, I mean, this, I, you know, I, it's interesting. Like, I guess the way that I think of that um is in terms of like the chasing to me reminds me of a conversation that my fiance baby daddy <clears throat> soon to be husband oh we haven't gotten married yet didn't, did you know that no yeah, we're not married that. we, we just haven't so figured it out i know we had a baby and oh shit. my god we're in we silver lake just I having know. a baby <laughs> out of wedlock <laughs> love it Breaking all the rules. Um, yeah, we can't all live in Hancock Park and get married before we have kids. <laughs> I didn't know um, that was a new status thing, but I love that you're introducing it in a no, conversation. No, you did. I mean, well, well it's just not, right? okay. it's not status. It's just different, different choices. Okay, Sorry. Yes, um, correct. Okay, so uh, now I don't even fucking remember what I was saying. Um, I was saying chase oh, versus yeah, oh, baby, uh, yeah, yeah. embrace. We talk about ex expansion. So like, so when, when, when we think about, I think maybe when you say, um, chase, like you, like you chased Dana right before you married her. Yes. So will we, we think about, um, um, finding people, things, making choices that expand us. Right. So like, 
so it is in a way a chase like we don't have it yet but there's something we want or there's something we want to step into there's something that makes us bigger and not smaller and so we think of those things as we call them expanders that's a beautiful spin on a phenomenon that called I chasing am, <laughs> i am describing to you but graduate mark said it a little more accurately when he said i never want to join a club that would have me as a member yeah exactly that's right. more what i'm but talking like, about by the way like what a fucking i mean fucked up yeah position. like we don't want to think about grandma life guy, like that Good old grandma guy, oh, grandma um, guy. the greatest matriarch, mother of six children. She raised basically single-handedly on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Wow. My father's mother, uh, she had this bit of advice that was kind of controversial, which is never take anyone more seriously than they take you. Mm. Now, how do you live freely if you're constantly having to gauge what you're getting back? Exactly. But, but... Why yeah, are you going to keep like, giving to someone who's never giving back yeah, to you? Yeah, but then, because, well, in the spirit of Thich Nhat Hanh, I mean, Thich Nhat Hanh would sit here in this room and give you everything, even if you were giving him absolutely nothing, because the idea is that giving is actually more rewarding than receiving anyway. Sure. I mean, you know, like we 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 give compassion and we give compassion to strangers sometimes. And this is the idea is that that's rewarding f for us and mm -hmm. and rewarding for them. But they might not even know that it's happening. But like the 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 exercise of it is so fulfilling. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like how do we free ourselves of a life where we're always trying to gauge who's taking us seriously and s keeping score? Like we're also yeah, talking about keeping like score. How, like let's stop keeping score and trying to figure out where we are in the status of, of people. I mean, like, right? Like this is how, so, okay, we read books, we meditate, we, you know, I don't know, go to temple sometimes. I don't know. Yes, like how do, do we do it? We exercise. But like, the, you know, it's a real struggle. I mean, our whole world is is organized around like who's better and who's worse. And like, did you win or did you lose? I mean, these are things that we've been living with since we were tiny kids. And by the way, some of us even co-opt these things, myself included. We think like, oh, I, I no, I, I'm that way because I'm competitive. I want to be a winner. Who wants to be a loser? I want to be a winner. But we're all still in this mindset of the that these things are real things. Can I can I do something with you? Yeah, please. In really in exactly Have you read Sapiens by the way? Uh no, but I've listened to Yuval Harari more longer and many hours on podcasts with like my friend my Sam Harris guy who I love. Lo I listened to that podcast too. So Yuval would sit yeah, Yuval yeah. would sit here. I listened to specifically Sam Harris and Yuval Noah Harari. Yeah, and amazing. I think Yuval would sit here and be like, yeah, fucking winning and losing is a fucking construct. It's just bullshit. And we choose to believe in it. And by the way, that belief in it makes us suffer. I mean, we're believing in things that make us feel like maybe rejected or, or you know, uh, less than or less important or like, you know, we need to chase or whatever the thing is. But we don't need to believe in these constructs. Winning and losing. Winning and losing, successing and failing. Does that mean that you just... just by writing it down in your laptop, you won and you published a book? Well, it depends on what the intention is, right? I mean, like maybe for some of us, look, have you read um, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic? Have you read that book? No. Did okay. she write Eat, she Pray, wrote Love? She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. yeah. So she wrote a book called Big Magic. It was about writing. And, and there's this like one, I think it's like right in the beginning. There's a, about this one author 
author novel not a novelist or i don't know if i did you read it oh yeah no you remember this okay so there's it's a writer who was an extremely extremely quote-unquote successful writer in that he'd had many books published had written his entire life and this guy stayed completely out of the limelight i mean completely like he wouldn't do you know what i'm talking about Okay. Well, anyway, the point is just that, like, like there are people that giver, stay. Someone who gives billions for away instance, and no one ever knows. For instance. So, and that person probably has a very good sense of satisfaction in his life, in his heart, and dies very happy and content and never needed anyone to know that he was the billion dollar donor. Yeah. I mean, credit. If I were writing another show about family, it would be called Credit and Blame. Because to me, those are the two currencies in a family. <laughs> Credit and blame. And in life with friends, too. But does it have to be? I mean, again, look, look you're a writer, right? No. And we can change the world with one gesture. And I often think, like I am, when I don't say the one thing I want to say that's petty, scorekeeping, beneath myself yeah. i try to take the high ground i know what the high ground is sure and i just don't can't always take so it. so here's the thing so right like we're having a really this conversation is intellectual right like it's a very we're talking about concepts and what i really and that's great i loved talking about concepts but what i where i want to go with this because i think everyone can like sit around and like talk back and forth about like whether we really live in a world where winning and losing matters or not the, what's really interesting to me, and I think where this podcast has the potential um, to be useful, really, is is in talking about how we f how we cope with the feelings that that feeling like we lost give us. Right. How do we cope with the feelings that feeling like we've been rejected or we're less than give us? Like, where do we? And I say give us feelings. You know, those things give us feelings. I don't know. Make us feel. Like, how do we? Um, what do we do with our feelings? What do we do with our frustrations and our sadnesses? What do you do, Mark, with your mm. frustrations and your sadnesses? How did you feel when 9JKL was canceled? And what did you do with those feelings? Hmm. 9JKL was really challenging. And it was challenging in a very specific way. It was challenging for me because I was working with my wife, which anyone listening could probably appreciate that that's a um, high degree of difficulty. Oh, yeah. Um, and she was incredibly stressed out throughout the process because the network system is just so fraught. Mm -hmm. There are so many notes, mm -hmm. like notes are coming at you from your own team, which was Capital Entertainment, a great, great producer named Aaron Kaplan, mm -hmm. who's done incredibly well as you can see why when you work with him. Mm -hmm. um, then from the studio, which is David Staff and Kate Adler, amazing team at CBS Studios, the development arm. Then it goes to the network, Julie Pernworth and her team at CBS, the network proper. Everyone's giving you notes, throwing out A stories and B stories and C stories and runners. And then you've got to create a new one within a day because we're shoot pre-shooting on Monday and we were in my garage on a weekend, 
you know, just, and I hear about writers for even Veep, which is such a successful show where they have nothing to prove, but Dave Mandel's an incredible showrunner, brilliant guy. They're working, like I talked to Daisy, her husband Lou is on the show. He's working Saturdays and Sundays every weekend mm -hmm. for months on end, six months. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, it's very stressful in general and specifically on our show because we didn't have the benefit of success mm -hmm. to make everybody look, uh, you know, look away for a little bit. We were just first season sitcoms are notoriously very rough on writers. They TV are. in general is very rough on writers. Yes. And certainly first season sitcom, first season, any shows, but sitcoms, I think, are yeah. really It's rough. just every week you yeah. have like you talk about we talk about status and talk about ratings, you know, like, sure. oh, my God, the greatest story from Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Um, who I David Walton, who played my brother on 9JKL, invited me to do this improv -y pilot presentation. And he had Jerry O'Connell and I show up to play his boss together, his bosses at some company. And we improv the whole thing. And it was wacky-doo, but fun. But then we hung out after, and Jerry O'Connell told some amazing stories. But one of them I want to share with you. Please. He, um, I, I, uh, he was going to a group and some kind of you know support group whatever and he um he was so focused on how his ratings for the show he was on were tanking went from a 17 to a 15 to a 13 and now they preempted his show they took it off the air he's so pissed <laughs> and stressed and the show's going to cancel he's going to have no money to raise his family and yeah. be a man yeah. and he goes in there to talk about all this to the group and the moderators like um Okay, who who's next? And Jerry's raising his hand. I gotta get this off my. And he and and he's like, um, okay, Jerry, just one second. This girl, it was first, but you're right after. Goes to the girl. The girl is like a valley girl, thirty five. She goes, hi, yeah. Um, so today's the anniversary of um, the day that I uh, I I I killed my mother. I drove into a telephone pole and I was. You know, drunk, and I, um, I, I can't. I still can't forgive myself. I think about it every day. It's been a very, very hard ten years since that day, um, and this is just today's the anniversary, and I... it's just really, really, really hard. And the whole room is just silent, mm. you know. Mm. And then the moderator turns to Jerry. <laughs> yes, um, Jerry, you, you, you wanted to, and he's there just going. No, no, no. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 Jerry, you, you had something. No, no, no. no, no. no. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I am good. Oh, wow. Because of, yeah. obviously, yeah. his problem right. in that moment, right. comparatively speaking, yeah. is bubkis. Sure. And you can appreciate, like John Kabat-Zinn says, so much more is right with him in this moment than is wrong with him compared to this girl who has no mother because of her own irresponsibility. Right. But we can't always see that. I mean, this is, and this is like, maybe you're going here and talking about how you process like the feelings when your show is canceled or even your feelings along the way when you're getting noted to death and like all the stuff. Like, you know, if you think of your issues as like the ball in the middle of many concentric circles, okay? And then you see these concentric circles Right? That's what you call circles that are getting bigger and bigger. Okay. Nice. Then you see these concentric circles as uh, if these are levels, levels or uh, uh, 
steps of consciousness, right? So like if if all you see, if you're the smallest concentric circle just around your little issue, if that's your level of consciousness, then all you're seeing is your issues. What happened to your to Jerry O'Connell? Was it Jerry O'Connell? Yeah, yeah. What happened to Jerry O'Connell at that meeting is that like his concentric circle, he just like went out. His circle got bigger, so all of a sudden his issues, which is, were all that he could see, became so much smaller than his consciousness. And all of a sudden he was like, oh. Like there's a a huge, this woman expanded his consciousness. He was like, oh, my problems are really not important. Like what's really important is that like my mom's still alive. And like I, you know, I didn't get into a car accident 10 years ago and kill someone. Like, you know, so we, so, and this is what I'm really interested in. And I, like, I want to, I want to know how we can expand our consciousness um, in such a way that our issues kind of be, just become less important that we see so many other things other than our issues. Like I don't, I'm not interested in 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 eradicating our issues. I don't think that that's ever going to happen. I mean, you know, we were born into our families, and if you've ever been to a therapist, you probably know. Like, you know, these issues are can be really deeply ground in there. Like, we have stuff that may never go away, voices that don't serve us or whatever. But how do we make those voices cease to matter? How do we make them just matter less? Right. How do we make our feelings matter less? How do we make our concern about the notes or the the ratings matter less? That's what's interesting to me. How do we expand our consciousnesses so that that shit, it just doesn't, the status, the return to emails, the things, it just doesn't matter as much to our like sense of well-being in the world. Well, and but 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 here like so I even just jumped ahead of myself because I don't feelings are not bad we have feelings we're humans we're in these bodies we feel sad we feel and these are things that we genuinely need to to deal with I mean we're just these little humans and for us when you were noted to death on a sitcom it doesn't matter that our moms are still alive and we didn't get into a car accident it still hurts yes like it sucks it sucks and, and by the way the comparison to the girl is no different even though you talk about expansion, it's no different than like being on one job and seeing that your buddy just got uh, the lead in a major motion picture and feeling shitty. Sure. He felt better about himself compared to this woman who had it worse. Sometimes we more often feel worse about ourselves because someone has it better. Well, or it's, I mean, I would even phrase it differently. Like it's not that he feels better about himself. He, he feel, he felt all of a sudden his problems didn't seem so problematic. Right. Yeah. By comparison, I have, I have one example I want to share with you about getting just a little bigger in the concentric circle model that you put forth in our (laughs) teleological seminar, (laughs) um, which is going somewhere for sure for others. Hopefully. Yes. No, I think Um, it is. I didn't get a part in, uh, some Disney movie that Tom McCarthy is directing. It's based on some book series. I already forgot the name of it, though it mattered a lot that week. Sure. Um, and I remember uh, finding out who got it, which can happen with your conversations with your representatives. Uh-huh. It was Kyle Bornheimer, okay. who is a very talented actor. We had him on Royal Pains. You could go into the thing of like, I remember when he was just a freaking one episode guest star on my series <laughs> and now he's taking, you know what I mean? You could yeah. do that. But he lives across the street from like, like 
I walk down to 6th Street every day with my dogs. Yeah. And he lives across 6th Street. So every day when I cross the corner, yeah. for literally a year since that audition, yeah. I have to have the thought, <laughs> fucking Kyle Bornheim. <laughs> I wonder if you're on set. Oh, Timmy Trouble or something, I think it's called. Okay. I, he's probably on the set, yeah. having a great time, mm-hmm. shooting that movie. Yeah. Playing a dad in like three scenes of that movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I have to have that thought, oh, fucking Kyle Bornheimer took that part. Just because yeah. I'm walking on that corner and he lives there. Well, you don't have to have that thought. You know well, that's mean. the thing. Right. So only in the last month or two have I started to realize with the help of listening to podcasts like Waking Up, mm-hmm. which reminds me that the goal of meditation is to know your own mind. Mm. That's the goal of meditation, mm-hmm. to watch it do its thing and not merely be subject to it. Right. So in listening to that, with the help of others, mm-hmm. outsourcing, whatever, mm-hmm. I now go to that corner and I go, oh, yeah, that's what my brain does. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's a way of getting perspective and getting a little bigger. That's right. On your own. Right. Like the the whatever circle you're in, like if the, the bigger your circle gets, which the more you're able to watch, right? Like the higher you are in the sky, the more earth you're able to see. That's right. Um, And so getting perspective and having awareness of yourself. And, you know, my therapist taught me about like resetting once in a mm -hmm. while, just remembering where you are, Mm -hmm. that you're in a chair, that you're talking to a person, that you're Mm -hmm. talking into a microphone. I love that. So can you just dig into that a little bit? Like when you Well, mindfulness is about like being aware of the five senses we have. And like if we're not Mm -hmm. aware that we're hearing, seeing, touching, tasting, Mm -hmm. and smelling, then we're not totally in our bodies. Mm -hmm. We're probably out in spiral land, Mm -hmm. fixing a problem from the past or the future. Mm -hmm. But right here... There are all these senses that, thankfully for you and me, we have all five. Not everybody does. And sort of tuning into those senses, they um, they can reset us. That's your therapist's word. That's right. And Re- like just giving yourself a moment of, oh, wait. And by the way, you could like judge your ability to be mindful if you want to keep score by how many times a day do you actually remember to be where you are. And I have my own like version that I play with in my head for the book I'm possibly gonna write you never know love it like of course. I believe um, extreme in mindfulness is one love it and two is do whatever you have to do to do what you're doing yeah that's it yeah and like today in soul cycle class my goal with angela who's brilliant angela davis she's your teacher insane lover she's okay. like a a preacher amazing dj and just life coach in a spinning teacher. Love it. Um, so LA right now. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, she's incredible. And I just like, I always spiral out during spinning. Like mm-hmm. I'm not really present because I'm thinking about what I'm not accomplishing or what I want to accomplish. And then when I hear her, she inspires me. And then I go back to my, and I just was very present today. Mm-hmm. That's all. And it was that simple. Like, I'm going to be here now right. listening to and her. And so how did you feel before you walked in and after you walked in? Like, what was the difference in your in your heart? I just felt like I really had that class when I was done. Mm-hmm. I had really been there. I really worked hard. 
And I really came out like I left it all out on the spinning on bike. the tarmac. Yeah, on that <laughs> rubber, spinning, spinning shitty, rubber sweaty thing. rubber yeah. on the bottom of the um, Okay, I have two more questions. One is very small, and one is a little bit bigger, but we're also, we're going to end soon. But um, just to circle way back, like, what is your purpose in this in this business and as a creator? Right, right. So... Like, why do you do this still throughout all of the network notes and the show cancellations and the Kyle Bornheimers? <laughs> like, what? Can I give you, like, a few answers? Please, And you yeah. can tell me which you like or sound more authentic I'm going to like not. all of them. Great. That's great. Yeah, We can work really well together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, I was a second child. I have this hole somewhere that wants to be filled by the applause, laughs, cries. And when I finally felt that drug, when I was in college and did my first play, I got addicted to a drug of validation slash rejection cycle that I've been on for 30 years whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I graduated from college in 1993. Mm -hmm. I've been an actor since then. It's now uh, 25 years. So um, good for me. I aired on the higher side. That's <laughs> rare in this town. Um, good for you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, the flip side of that is I loved telling stories and making people laugh and cry. And I have something in me that wants to give itself and I love that opportunity to tell a great story whether it's as Mark or be in it as a character mm -hmm. um, those are the two actually great those are they yeah, seem I like, like both of those the, like two sides of the same oh, coin. Yeah, it's t telling stories and also you you like to get laughs and 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 effect and effect you you like to be um, connected to an audience and tell stories to them. But I mean, as a kid, movies like really affected me. Of I mean, Rocky, The Godfather, Annie Hall. These movies change Absolutely. your life. Yeah, in we have ways. we have an opportunity as storytellers to really change people's lives, to to expand them. Yeah, and when you're when I'm writing with my partner, if it if it smacks of something true in us as people, when we're writing a line that, oh my God, that's me, that's you, that's all of us on some level. Yeah, it's it's transformative it's transcendent yeah and you hope it will be that way for some viewer yeah yeah and how um what about uh like in yourself like is there what what like takes you to work every day is it that is it that purpose or is there is there something else that happens like some other kind of fulfillment that happens in you I, I, mean, I don't mean to lead you. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Like, do you, is there a sense of satisfaction still in this business in spite of, again, like the network notes and the, this and the, like, what do you, do you still, do you feel a sense? Do you love this still? I do. When I get to work, yeah. I mean, I'm so Robin Williams, God rest his soul mm -hmm. said when I'm on vacation, when I'm not working, that's the job. Mm. 
And when I'm mm-hmm. working, that's the vacation. I love that. May we all be so fortunate to to have jobs like that. Well, no, I mean, it's no, it's amazing. I mean, we get but to. But he's do also this acknowledging, thing. like my favorite quote from Shakespeare about what it's like to not be working. Yeah. You know, I mean, in a second, you're back to just hitting the pavement. I mean, here I am. I did an episode of SVU. I did an episode of Better Things. I'm creating a show that I could be in. Yeah. But, you know, if my uncle comes in on Thanksgiving and goes, what are you working on right now? Uh, fuck. I don't know. Nothing, I'm not going to a job tomorrow. Ugh. You know? I am doing a play at Williamstown this summer. <gasps> That's exciting. Which is so exciting. That is I so exciting. I love it. I've done two readings of it. And I'll who get to like think about it for six months. That's so fun. A writer who writes on suits. She's a lovely person. Her name is Sharon Rothstein. And it's love about it. uh, two young parents who have a child with certain autism potentially you know on the spectrum issues and uh the dad is like watching too much fox news so he buys a gun the mom is like was of a different generation so they get into like in our generation we just took the job that made the money and now you guys want to find yourselves it gets into a lot of a lot of different aspects of our lives right now generally generationally um sorry i lost the thread no, that's okay. We were talking about Williamstown. You're talking about how excited you are to do this gig next summer. Yeah, but it started with like your what uncle are you saying, like, "What are you working on right, right now?" now? Yeah, and the, the task of being of finding purpose. But but what like my writing partner, he knows me how miserable I can be and competitive about acting stuff, and I really can be. Yeah, just FYI. Sure. But that's why we're talking well, we about can, this. Always can be. Yeah. Um, and then he saw me because we were writing right in my trailer on set of uh, SVU, which I went to New York to do. And he was in New York, too. So we were writing in the trailer, our show. And then I'd go shoot a scene. And he came on set to visit for one moment. He saw how happy I was. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, his reaction because of his own shit is like, I saw you when you were deliberating whether to take the SVU, which you felt <laughs> like was like, are you going to do an SVU? Yeah. Like, there was no question you were going to take it. And the truth is, there was a question. I wasn't, like, hearing SVU off my agent's lips wasn't mana from heaven. Sure, sure. But it was a cool part and a fun thing, so I did it. And we all have different yeah. ways of evaluating what good jobs are and all that shit. But on set, when I'm on set, I am a pig in shit, cat. Yeah. As you know from when we worked together, know. and so are you. And to get to do it, you know, Sean Penn was on the set with a kid who he said, like, how you doing today, kid? And he's like, ah, they called me in early. So I've been waiting around on my trade. He goes, from now on, for the rest of your career, here's your answer. I'm fucking great. Love it. Love it. You know? Yeah, I do know. I love you. I love you, too. Wait, is there, what time, what, what, we have to go. What time? Okay, wait. So just last, last quick, quick, quick question. Um. Do you have any like, I mean, like you've already talked about a couple books. Are there any other books that have been seminal for you or like th- mode, ther- modes of therapy, kinds of therapy or different classes or movies or like things that have really like shaped you? Oh, God. I know that's a huge fucking There's question. So Just like off the top of your head. Um, well, uh, so aside from John Kabat-Zinn and Thich Nhat Hanh and like a Sharon Salzberg who wrote Loving Kindness and um god the um the books that i have i mean I, back in the day i loved the fountainhead but uh what makes sammy run is a great book about hollywood 
Um, and movie-wise, I mean, I said The Godfather, Annie Hall, and Rocky. Um, but every month, there, like right now, I'm watching... Like TV is so incredible right now. So yeah. I'm only as good as my last like show that I'm <laughs> dying. And I have two right now, which is a really great moment in our my wife's and my what viewing experience. Escape to Danamora. At Danamora okay. with Patricia Arquette, who's brilliant, mm -hmm. and Ben Stiller directed it, and Benicio del Toro is amazing, and Paul Dano. Um, I'm loving it so much. And then um, Dirty John. Oh, yeah. I want to And watch it's that. so like pulpy, but I love it. So great. Um, on on uh, Bravo. Uh, can't get enough. Connie Britton's amazing. Um,. But I, I have no, like, inspiring thing Great. that's just popping off the top of my head. Um, I always go back to my Thich Nhat Hanh. Every morning I sit and I read a chapter. And he talks about interdependence. Like, he's the kind of Buddhist philosopher who reminds you that the piece of paper that mm. your book was printed on or that you're writing on came from a tree mm. and the tree didn't exist without the sun mm. and that we are all you know the question who am i which is like the great mystery mm -hmm. and i am i a, am i a father is that what i am mm. am i an actor mm -hmm. is that what i am am i a son a brother um a an artist uh an intellectual, not totally, but mm. I try. Um, a citizen of the mm. United States. Um, I am all of those things. And I am this skin and this muscle tissue and these eyes looking at you and this these ears hearing you. I am all of that. Love it. And uh, I guess our goal is to sit in appreciation yeah. instead of resentment. Totally. I love all of that. And you're also, you know, you're also Kyle Bornheimer. Yeah. And you're also Paul Feig. Yeah. And you're also. You know what's funny, Kat? It's all those to, guys. Like, as we're, I know we're wrapping up, but like, and help, help me with this. Yeah. Actually, I'm outsourcing this to you. Yeah. I throw those names out there. And I have often thrown out even Paul Rudd as someone who, like, he replaced, I replaced him <laughs> in a play on Broadway called uh -huh. Last Night at Ballyhoo. Mm -hmm. And he was amazing in it, but I had gotten the part actually originally, but my TV show at the time got picked up for two episodes, so I couldn't uh, do it. Uh, so he got it, yeah. and then he got to open it, and he became family with that cast. And then mm -hmm. I had, then they said, we can only let him do the object of my affection with Jennifer Aniston. If Mark Feuerstein will replace him. Cause we know he can do the part because wow. he got the part. Yeah. So I became a, like a guy who allowed, and then I had to insert myself into this family that was like all of them in love with Paul Rudd. Yeah. And so I, he's my guy when I, but sure. there's Lee F. Schreiber and Jason Bateman and, and sure. even Josh and I have our own yeah. Josh Radner and I, uh, all of that competitive 
energy. But when it comes back to me, like I offer it up as like a vulnerable thing. But when you, when you say to me, the Paul vegan, then I hear my own words coming back to me. And I'm like, I don't want to be part of that. Mm. I don't want to be represented by that. I just want to complain to you and have it drop into <laughs> an abyss. But of course, everyone I've ever mentioned it to brings it right back in my face. Not you doing that, but more my scorekeeping horrendous friends who are all, you know, equally <laughs> mired in this shit. Uh-huh, yeah. Bring it back at you. And then you're like, oh, so the question is, what are you putting out there? Because it will come back to you. What you be is what, what you, you see, see you be. You, what you see yeah. you be. Yeah, I think um, um, I think that uh, the idea is to just gain a more macro perspective, right? I mean, again, these concentric circles, like to just widen your perspective. And when you say like this paper is connected to the tree, which is made by the sun and like, all, I mean, it's the same. We're all, you know, literally you are made up of the same materials as these other human beings. I mean, so really like, this thing of like they're important or are a reach or a chase or whatever the thing it's just it's not it's not actually it's not real and that's like such a nice thing actually because then we can really enjoy them for who they are just as we enjoy the tree for what it is and the sun for what it is and the paper for what it is and for everything that everyone does we're all part of the same ecosystem which is this thing that we call reality, which we are living in. Like we are alive. We're breathing in this in this connected universe. But we're also actively creating the universe by Absolutely. the things we say every in every moment. Absolutely. And so if That's I'm right. putting out there that they're different or p- petty right. squabbles, scorekeeping things, then I'm reinforcing that in the universe. And there are those rare moments where you're like I could complain right now, but I don't. I, I choose not to. I know that Hanami is like gesturing to me because I want to get you out of here. But I, I just, I think like the, the thing that I would say is as long as we, t- to your point, as long as we consider some people better than us and some people worse than us, as long as we're in the mind frame that there are people who have, are some, in some ways better or more than and the other people less than, then we will always feel less than or more than like day to day, but that it causes suffering in our bodies. So can I go real petty Yeah, and end on the smallest note yeah, ever? Yeah, of course, always. Wonderful. <laughs> You're here doing a podcast. Yeah. And I have myself thought of doing sure. a version of a podcast sure, of sure. different kinds. Yeah. And I love it. I love the conversation we're having right now. Yeah, yeah. And I love listening to them. Sam Harris is like my idol i worship what he's done yeah and then there's like dax shepherd right sure who showed up at a sam harris event because he's taken with sam harris uh-huh. who i'm like oh well i'm want to do a podcast and dax shepherd wants to do a podcast yeah. and i guess we can both do and then i go look at dax shepherd's podcast and i see the list of all his hollywood friends uh-huh. who are doing one yeah and i'm like i'm not doing a podcast i can't get that i can't get fancy, those yes fuck that yeah yeah good, of course. good you should have that dax how as cat foster doing a podcast do i not do you look ever at have that Shepard, thought? i guess of course i mean look this is stuff i know so well right like i mean i had fucking narcissistic parents too like i know all all of the things of course i think about better than worse and better and worse or success and failure but i also 
like all of my work in this planet right now, my my psycho-emotional work has to do with a banishing this narrative from my from my psychology because it doesn't serve me i mean i would never have fucking done this podcast if i was like oh well i can't get blah 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 on this show like i just wouldn't have done it and wouldn't that have been such a shame yes i mean i would feel so sad if 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 i had let that stop me but do i have those thoughts absolutely of course i do so what do you do to not let it stop you I uh, I take a lot of fucking breaths. I mean, I take a lot of breaths and I really like I do all the things you do. I meditate. I read a lot. I go to tons of therapy and I and I spend a lot of time questioning this quote unquote reality that there's winners and losers mm-hmm. and that there's things that are more important or less important. And I and I f- trust that I am doing everything that I am meant to do and and I'm doing this gesture right now you can't see it our wonderful listeners but this gesture is tatsuamatsi that that means I am that so you are that I am you you are me we are Sam Harris Sam Harris is us right you and I are Dax Shepard Dax Shepard is fucking Sam Harris it's like we're all here just doing our parts you know and whatever Dax Shepard or Sam Harris thinks of you look they might envy your house and your kids. Okay, so you might envy their guest list on their podcast. Well, right. they might envy your fucking long-running show or, you know what I'm saying, or your writing relationship with your wife or all of the wonderful, amazing things that you have in your life. So it's just like we can look at things any fucking way we want them mm-hmm. want, and want to see them. And then exactly what we see we be. Yeah. So it's just always we, it's a practice. It's a daily practice of reminding ourselves that like, what we see, we be. So, you know, if we're going to see fucking Dax Shepard's guest list as more important or bigger than ours, then we're probably not going to fucking do a podcast. Right. <laughs> a case in point. Yeah. I didn't do one. Yeah, but you know what? You could and you would get amazing guests and they would be the guests that you got and then you would get other guests and then yeah. things would surprise you and you'd get different guests. And it's By the way, it's an incredible format because we're having a conversation that if we met for coffee to talk about that show we're going to do together, which, by the way, hey, right, let's, let's do at it. Some let's point, get on that, come bro. On, what are we I doing know. here? <laughs> um, we would never get to these things, right? No, in this amount of time. That's true. And you're awesome. No, oh, you're awesome. I love you, Mark Boyers, and thank you for coming. I'm so happy to be here. Um, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at I am Kat Foster and reach out to us using the hashtag ActingRealPod. For links and recommendations from this week's episode, visit ActingRealPodcast.com. Episodes go up on Mondays. Subscribe to the show and rate and review us. It would mean so, so much to us if you did. This podcast is produced by Hanami Sutton and Chris Mako with technical assistance by David O'Hara and music by Sean Hokinson. We love you guys. We really, really do. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.